sermon this morning is Light of the World from Isaiah chapter 9. We'll be looking at who the light was, at who the light is, and how we can begin to deepen a relationship with him. So Martin's very kindly put some Bibles out. If you'd like to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, which is on page 6. read in two parts and start with the first two verses. If we did that in our house, we'd have to call the fire brigade because we've just got central heating. <laughs> so you turn the central heating up, you, you, you snuggle down, but it can actually make you feel quite depressed. And, you know, people with SAD syndrome get sort of, you know, lethargic and, uh, and they feel blue. And I, I said to Pam, I've got this. I, I, I've got this. And, and she, she diagnosed me instantly. And she said, no, you haven't. And, and I said, why not? And she said, because you're miserable all year round. <laughs> so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's cheer ourselves up with, um, with the second part of our passage. If you'd like to turn back with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. We'll read from verse 3 to the end. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a son is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. 
Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Praise God. And when this passage was, was written, government was regarded as a burden to be borne on the shoulders as you would carry a heavy load. And Latin writers often spoke of civil power as borne on the shoulders of magistrates. And for military rulers, you know, they like to have great big gold epaulets, don't they, to show that they're in charge, they've got power. But of course, we're not talking here about earthly badges of office, but God's government, God's kingdom, or his way of doing things on earth through us, his people. And with spiritual eyes, the prophet sees the light in the distance of God's kingdom, but not before he sees darkness, deep darkness, scenes of battle, of terror, the fog, the confusion of war, clothes, soaked, sodden in blood, but in the distance with scenes flashing before his eyes, he sees light, brilliant spiritual light, rising in distant Galilee, which is where Jesus came from. And he sees joy, joy in the hearts of people, because the armour of war was laid aside, clothes soaked in blood, destined for burning. And then far off in the distance, the light becomes more intense as the darkness recedes until at last he sees God's kingdom, an everlasting kingdom of joy, righteousness and peace, ruled by the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Great Light of the World. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, a child born to dispel darkness, to still the clamour and terror of war. Who is this child? Who is this son? He's Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate this Christmas. And we get to meet him for the first time, recorded in the New Testament, where John introduces him in his gospel as the light of the world. In the first chapter of John's gospel, we read, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, or as the message puts it, moved into our neighbourhood. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh, one of us. But he did so without ceasing to be God. The one we know as Jesus, the light of the world, was there from the start, the word through whom all things were made. And the word, or Jesus, reveals God. Previously, it was believed that only God could reveal himself. I am who I am, in Exodus 3.14, which is the sacred Old Testament name for God. But Jesus said of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or in summary, I am the one who will sustain and nourish you. I will feed your soul. I will lead you to God. 
So Jesus was fully divine, the great I am, and also fully human, like us in all respects, with the exception of being without sin, Hebrews 4.15, which is essentially wanting to do things our own way without reference to or direction from God. Like every human being, like we all were, he was born of a woman. We read that in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. He grew up, matured physically, intellectually, spiritually. And when he grew up, he became a roving preacher. He was a bit of a a nomad. And he had no home of his own. He experienced hunger and thirst. He became tired. He knew the pain of grief when a loved one dies. He knew what it was to be on the outside looking in. And that's because he disturbed the status quo. He was a disturber of the peace. As the theologian Daniel Mijilor has said, as a first century Jew, he was deeply influenced by the culture and religious heritage of his people. But he broke the mould. He was not simply a human being, but a singular, disturbing, even revolutionary human being. He changed the course of world history by bringing light into darkness in our world, in our lives. And in a moment, I'd like to play you a clip from a song that talks about what happens in someone's life when Jesus, who is the light of the world, shines into our life with his grace and his truth. You might just want to read the lyrics or close your eyes and listen. of this world can push us around folding us up backing us down here in the dark I'm not
So the artist is, is Bebo Norman, and um, it just speaks, doesn't it, of how when we're broken in half, God can put us back together and make us whole. So that's the difference the light of the world can make to our lives. He can make us whole. So we've looked at who the light of the world is and what he did, but we haven't answered the most important question, why did he do it? Gregory of Nazanzus, an early church theologian, put it like this, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. That which he has not assumed, he has not healed. Which means that if God in Christ is not present with us in the depths of human misery, when we're at our lowest and we feel we can't go on anymore, then whatever that person is or was or may have said and done, he cannot be the saviour of the world. He cannot bring light into darkness, into the lives of human beings who know pain, misery and grief only too well. If God in Christ does not or did not enter into our experience and suffering, the suffering we will all feel at one time or another, then we cannot be healed. We cannot be mended. The light of the world came for a purpose, to enable a broken world to be mended and our broken hearts to be healed so that we can be reconciled to God and to one another. And what does that mean for us, for you, for me, here, this morning? Well, let me tell you the story of of two brothers. So they're both at primary school. A younger one, Nick, older one, Andrew. And the older brother gets bullied every day and dreads going to school. That's his place of suffering. The younger brother is too small to help, and so he's helpless He can only watch as his brother is tormented. One day, the father was putting the younger son to bed and said, how was your day today, son, at school? And he said, it was all right, Dad. He said, but I wish I could be somebody else at school. And the dad said, who? And he said, I wish I could be my older brother because then I would get hurt And he wouldn't suffer. And that's what Jesus did for us. He assumed that suffering in himself so that he could take the hurt that was meant for us in death, eternal separation from God. You see, eternal separation from from God was never meant to be. In the beginning, God or the Word made us, loved us. Things were going right in the world. We had a good relationship with him. But as I mentioned earlier, we chose to go our own way and initiated the breaking of our relationship with him. So he sent his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, to provide a way back for us. And in doing so, to fill up, to mend the bit that's broken. The feeling, the sense that we're not enough. We're not good enough. The world's not good enough. Something is missing. Jesus plugs that gap. He provides us with a sense of purpose, a true calling, a true meaning. And then he'll take us home to be with him 
where we belong. And there's only one way to be at home with God and to enter into a relationship with him. You know, we need to ask for forgiveness if we don't know Jesus for the things that we know we've done wrong in thought, in word, in deed, what we've said, what we've thought about, what we've done. That's what the Bible calls sin. And to recognise that Christ died on the cross to set us free from the punishment for those sins, which is eternal separation from God in darkness. And to say, do you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to try my hardest and with God's help. And that's called repentance, to turn away from what you've done in the past. And you can accept Christ into your life as risen Lord and Saviour and follow him from now on. Will you open your heart to God this morning? You may already be a Christian and with Christ in you, you may be wondering why there are sometimes moments of deep darkness, no peace in your mind, no light in your life, no hope in your heart at the moment. You know, our life as Christians will go through seasons, very much like the season outside today. And some of those will be winter, those seasons, and they will be long on darkness and low on light, dark. And Christmas can make that harder, can't it? Because it seems that everybody else is having a lot of fun. And yet there is light. If, like the prophet, we look long enough and hard enough. Life wasn't a barrel of laughs in Isaiah's day, and he wasn't having a ball either. But he looked into the darkness with spiritual eyes, and he saw light. And Christ provides that light. For those of us who believe, we can know this morning that our future hope is not determined by our present circumstances, hard though they may be. Our future hope depends on the goodness of God, his love, his life, his light. You see, death and darkness have no power over us. The only power they have is to create fear. Fear. So when we close our eyes for the last time, that's it. It's all been a waste of time. That's the fear. And that we'll always be separated from good things. We won't enjoy the good things of life or our loved ones anymore. But Christ comes to dispel that fear. To take the darkness away, to give us light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, Isaiah 9.2. John described Christ as light coming into the darkness and the darkness could not extinguish it. The Greek literally means the darkness could not take it down. The light of his coming kingdom will overcome the darkness in this world and it will not be taken down. Christ's light will endure, but when we look at the world around us, When we open our papers, when we see 24-7 news, it doesn't look very light, does it? It looks pretty dark. Why is that? Because God's kingdom is not yet fully established on earth. And you might say, well, when will that be? What will that look like? Only God knows, but we do have some clues in Scripture from Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5, abridged. John says... 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with his people, and he will live with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Winter has gone, my insertion. Behold, all things are new. And as we bring this morning's message to a close, let's remember that we've looked at the light of the world. Isaiah introducing him. John saying, he's here. And we know that light of the world was Jesus Christ. We looked at some of the things that he did. And we know that he's coming again as part of that new creation. That's our hope. And if you, if you don't have that hope, and you'd like to have that hope, and you'd like to accept Jesus as your saviour, then you know, please do speak to David Whitlock, who's our minister here this morning, and I'm sure David would love to to talk to you about becoming a Christian. But if there's more darkness than light in your life this morning, if you already know God and you want more hope and peace at Christmas, then the prayer team will be available at the front of the service and they'll pray God's peace and light over you. You see, the light of the world is here this morning to show us the way back to God and he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. He will turn off the 24-7 news channels. There won't be darkness in our newspapers. There won't be darkness in our ears. There will be light, the light of God's kingdom. And when all things have been made new, we will reign with him in that kingdom. That's the hope we have as Christians. That's the hope we have at Christmas. Together, let's play our part in bringing the kingdom of God into the world now, in all that we say and do, even as we wait for his kingdom to come. To him be the power and the glory to us, his love, peace and joy, this Christmas and always. Amen.